0: Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined by Joel Rawlings, who has been in the bunker for most of the week preparing to do today's podcast topic. Joel, what are we going to talk oh, about Oh, I'm excited.
1: Today? We're going to talk about Marshawn's uh, 200 breaststroke, the record-setting breaststroke.
0: Yeah, we, we we decided already ahead of time, unless we come up with a better title in the course of this, it's going to be how Marchand hacked breaststroke. Yeah, I think I, think uh, I can make oh, a we're... case
1: for hacking be- breaststroke. And so, like, I think a lot of times when you say something's like a hack or something is, like, simple, people are like, oh, it's easy. It's like, no, it's not easy. You know, simple. It right. is, it's com- It's completely different things. It's, it's So you can break it down, I think. And it's, it's I think it's just a fascinating swim, especially looking at um, that swim you had at, uh, against Cal in the dual meet, you know, where you did all those – He did, like, what? six events in two days and all of them just amazing swims and so I went back because right. I, I refused to listen to myself on this podcast so I'm not going to listen to anything I said in the past so I might yeah. I might be talking against
0: hold on before you get started be- before you get started before you get started let me just introduce I just want to make sure I give a shout out to our sponsor for the swim brief that is pro swim workouts if you're like me and and you you had a lot of moments in your life when you've sat down to write a trim, swim training session and been stumped. Pro Swim Workouts, a great, great resource. If you listen to last week's podcast, you can talk to the man himself, um, Nico Messer. He talks a lot about how Pro Swim Workouts came to be. It's been around for 10 years, 3000 workouts on there. So there's, you're, you're bound to find something that's going to give you the inspiration that you're looking for. It's got sessions organized by type of team, developmental level, type of workout, all sorts of categories. And um, you can tell just from listening to Nico on last week's podcast, I love having them on as a sponsor. And, you know, Nico is a person, if you really enjoy this podcast, then Pro Swim Workouts has supported this podcast over the years. So I would appreciate it if you went and you supported them as well, because. Uh, Nico is really good about reinvesting the stuff that he makes, uh, through pro swim workouts, back into coaches, back into products like this. And, um, I appreciate him for that. He's always been a big supporter of the swim brief. And, um, with that said, I'm going to let you march in. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to give you a discount code. Thank you. Um, CD swim coach is the discount code. You can get some money off on your pro swim workout subscription. And again, you're going to send money to this podcast. Okay. With that said, now we're going to finally march in. And I guess I want, to, I want to give you the intro, the same intro that I gave you over text, which was basically like, I was shocked to see this 200 breaststroke time, this 147 from Marchand. I guess I shouldn't have been shocked because he swam pretty close to that in a dual meet, as you were referencing in your intro versus Cal, But I guess the the organizing thought I had was, when was the last time that the best I am in the world was actually a breast, a breaststroker? And then I thought, is he really a breaststroker? And then I thought, I really need Joel to help me answer this question. So let's just wait for the podcast and we'll get into it. All right, go. Okay, so I was going to talk to the breaststroke
1: first and we can kind of talk about um, I am in breaststroke at the end, if that's okay.
0: For sure. Let's talk about breaststroke first. So
1: looking back at his Pac-12 dual meet swim with with Cal, uh, where um, the the part of the interview I listened to was when with Bob Bowman speaking about their training beforehand. And I remember him saying, we really pushed the envelope this year. And and that's when I was talking to him. Like when Bob Bowman says they're pushing the envelope on something, that's got to just, that's going to be like amazing. Like probably never been done before kind of level of training, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, without being, uh, you know, without any hyperbole, it really is. It's something where if, if he's saying he's pushing the envelope, that's amazing. And then um, this is the first meet where they're starting to come down, and now they're starting to wear fast suits. And so watching that swim, you know, the the thing I, that stood out to me was even though obviously it was is a, a fast swim, and and so anytime you start to throw out like ideas or critiques—not critiques, but ideas of like what could be even better—people like, oh, you're just you know, who do you think you are telling them that they could be there. It's like, well, I think that's part of coaching is like, is you always think it could be better because otherwise, well, that's a perfect swim. Well, I guess we reached that. Why, why even do the two breasts? We can't go any faster than this. And and so the idea is to kind of look for those things. Cause I think in every swim, no matter who you are, there, there's going to be a couple flaws in there. You know, I remember, uh, like Bobby Knight, his, he said he would keep on coaching basketball because he wanted to see the perfect game of basketball and he knows well, that there were never was well, going to be a, because it's, you know, humans are, are doing it. You know, it's not a machine thing. It's not a machine doing right. breaststroke. So there's going to be flaws. And what I was seeing is, is it looked like his ner- uh, nervous system was just adapting to that speed where they're starting to come down. They're suited up. You know, he's, he's in a, you know, a, a meet against a, you know, that's uh, uh, kind of like a high not high anxiety meet, but in fact, the other direction it's just kind of an exciting meet. You know, you got, you know, a fun dual meet against Cal, you know, you get up there and race and it looked right. like he was kind of over swimming it a bit. He was, um, you know, his, his, his breakouts were a little bit off balance his stroke counts were a little bit odd. And I remember the, the thing that stood out on that was, um, generally when you see breaststrokers, it, it's about distance per stroke. What I love about this, about, about breaststroke is you break it down. It's like an impulse. And then you manage a line and the better you stay balanced and you hold that line. That's your distance per stroke. And then you get into another impulse and then back to distance per stroke and manage it. And then as the distance per stroke fades then you start to increase the tempo. And usually you can see that tempo change, obviously, with the stroke count. And so when Marshawn went out in the first 25, he had three, three cycles, five cycles, four cycles, five cycles. And on that fifth cycle, he had to chop the stroke, then four, four, five, five. So the back end kind of a stereotypical, like up, up tempoing a little bit, but the front end was a little bit awkward. It was like fives and fours like that. Cause so I, he would, part of it was like how he was hitting that first stroke. So on, on a, on a short yeah. axis stroke, how you come out of that exit hole, how you break out your, your body is going to mimic that, that wave. And so in uh, yard swimming, you've only got a handful of strokes. A guy like this and it's three or four strokes. He's really good at rebalancing and managing that line. So,
0: so, so sorry, no, I just want to hit one of the points you that I'm you're making there because I, <laughs> the <laughs> I have I have producer Jake Shackelford in the back of my mind. I, I told him we were going to talk about yeah. this and he's, you know, despite swimming four years for you, he said, oh, great. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think I'm going to understand about 15 percent of what Joel is saying. So I think maybe there's other people in the audience um, that that may be feeling the same way um and i know when i got introduced to milton elms that was i guess eight years ago and i thought like i really don't understand most i would say i probably understood five percent of what he was telling me at any given time but i feel now after many years of listening to him and then listening to you i have become a qualified interpreter for some of the things you guys are are talking about and it's so valuable um so I just want to hit one of the points that you're getting there. One of the things you're talking about, if I understand you correctly, is that that first stroke that you are taking on a, a length of breaststroke actually has like, it has an impact on if you're taking five strokes in length, it affects the way your second, third, fourth, fifth strokes actually are executed rhythmically and even the shape of the movement that you're doing, right? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah.
1: With, um, I'm sorry, my, my the audio cut out from you for a second there. Um, so so you, you've got like this wave-like shape that you're hitting the surface with, and that amplitude, the height of the wave, you know, from the trough up to the very crest of the wave, that amplitude is going to be... Um, Basically, it's like a wave rolling and you see a large wave rolling and it it's smaller, smaller, smaller. Same thing here is like as the athlete is swimming, that wave has got to start to like calm down so they get a little more ride on that stroke, a little more distance per stroke on that. So you're taking the energy from that wave, the amplitude of, in this case, the, the crest would be like the center of buoyancy because that's where the lungs are. The center of mass where the trough is. And so I kind of think of it like like when you're playing like foosball, those those players have a, a iron bar going through them. Imagine like again the iron bar going through the middle of that. So if the center of ba- ba- uh, buoyancy tips back behind that center of mass, you're gonna be really off balance. So he's not that far. I mean, where you'd fall backwards, but but it's a little bit off balance. Uh, one thing I used to always reference was uh, Kitajima. I loved watching uh, him sw- him swim breaststroke. It was just it seemed like the most balanced, elegant uh, breaststroke that you could do. And so in my mind, that's always kind of the model of swimming because I where I've coached. I'm not going to get someone that's 6'10", 225, fast twitch muscle fibers. I, I used to separate my um, my sprint group from everyone else by like, we'd have the uh, the mesh bag there. If you could actually literally jump across the mesh bag, you could go swim at the sprint group. Everyone else had two slow muscle fibers. Come on over here and we're just going to train. And so we, we just didn't get a lot of athletes like that. And So the idea is like, how are we going to get as balanced as possible? How are we going to maximize that aspect of it? And what I liked about breaststroke was the idea that I could say, okay, let's arbitrarily say you've got eighteen really good pulls in you, or butterfly would be the same thing. Again, a short-axis stroke with that wave. You got eighteen really strokes, and right now you're doing thirty strokes. How do we get it to minimize those last twelve <laughs> little as possible and maximize the the good ones that you can get, uh, and so that you're not going into survival stroke, that you're holding that that distance per stroke, that line, um, and so watching. The difference here between his swim then and swim now, you can just see just in and if you watch and just watch the waves. If you just like kind of blur your vision almost or watch the videos that you tend to put up where it's just grainy, fuzzy. And all you see is that white splash coming forward. That white splash is, is drag. It's you're, you're pushing that water out of the pool. That's energy that you could have had going into that line for distance per stroke. Make sense?
0: So kind of- yeah, yeah, okay. So, 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 so we can actually. You've looked at both videos, and you think that that wave that's in front of him when he's racing yeah, breaststroke, you can see a difference. Yeah, he, instead of crashing in, it, in the one forty-seven, yeah, instead of
1: crashing through it, kind of getting a little more ride with it, or ride on it, in fact. And and so then looking at Kitajima versus now, obviously the big thing was was that dolphin kick, and it's like one dolphin kick, um. That dolphin kick, I remember like Bill Boomer, and Bob Gillette, when they started really going into dolphin kick, the thing with that is it doesn't produce that much lactate. It's not a real force generating thing, especially when it's from the body, like in a breaststroke, and butterfly, and a kick out, you're going to maximize distance. So basically that's like, you know, it could be an extra cycle that you don't have to do anymore, of breaststroke, you know, full stroke gone, and your heart rate is, is even less. So rather than having to generate all that musculature to go one stroke, you're just doing a little flick of the legs. And that's that's where you're going with that. And so the difference between Kijima and now, you look at Kijima without that dolphin kick, he's under the water for about five seconds every pull out, Five, five and a half. You know, just doing a quick okay. little times and a bunch, of it was average of five. And then I went to a bunch of NCAA swims around that same era. All of them were pulling out about five seconds, about about where they're hitting that breakout. And now if you look at uh, what they're doing now, like especially Marshawn, how much distance he's getting on that. He's out six, I think it was like, I just have my hand talk. So, from the time he's on the block, so I'm I'm looking at as one inhale, X, then hits the water, 6.8 seconds underneath the water. So, not talking, again, I don't have the. If anyone out there would like to sponsor me with all the velocity and analytics they can get, that'd be awesome. But it's about 6.8 seconds underneath the water. Uh, And with one dolphin kicking through. And so, the other thing I was listening to to take a break from that moment. Was going back to that that dual meet swim and like on swim swim they're interviewing afterwards and they're talking about his breaststroke and the IM. He's like, well, breaststroke's just it's a lot easier for me. And if you take it on one side, thinking that's like Superman saying, well, I don't know, I just you know fly over there, someone shoots some bullets, they bounce off man, right. no big deal. But if you think about it the other way, it's like if he's saying it's easier on him, maybe that really is something. You know, obviously he knows what IM feels like. He knows what butterfly feels like. He knows what breaststroke. If breaststroke feels easier to him. So instead of us always kind of coming at it from the, the power side, coming at it from the energy production side, maybe if we looked at this race from the waste management side, you know, how, how do you get rid of that? Because that's the limiting factor in an in anaerobic race like the 200. You know, we're always taught kind of the idea of like a two-minute marker as far as anaerobic production and things like that. And for a guy like this, we just said earlier, Bob Bowman said he's like, you know, push the envelope for training. So he's probably trained – but as well as any human's been in the past ever. So the energy production side is taken care of. The waste management side is is the really interesting, I think, now, because now you've got 6.8 seconds where he's underneath the water, right? Then he's got that one stroke where he gets his air, and he's diving into his line, and he's managing that line. So he's got three strokes, three cycles for a first 25, and those three cycles took him like four and a half seconds. Then he gets into the wall. Hits another turn. He's under the water for like 6.2 seconds. And then he hits again to the surface. And so now what I'm thinking with this is he's already done, what would that be? 10, 16. He's like 17 and a half seconds. And he's done three strokes, two pullouts with a couple body waves. And if you you take that amount of time, so again, 17, he's already like a 130, what? 139, 138, something like that to go. So instead of looking at the race from the start, back, you go from the backwards. If he's trying to go, one forty-seven, one oh, forty-six, one forty-five. Let's start to build backwards. So if the first, again, however many seconds he's going to be under the water, almost twenty seconds, you know that race is already, you know, pretty well underway. And from what I understand in physiology, that you're basically you have as soon as you start your race, your body makes a decision. You know, you consciously you know you're going to do a five hundred. But in, internally, your body starts to go, it's going to be based on what your movement is, what that, that first neural intentions are, things like that. That's going to dictate that pathway. And so you see those kids sprinting out the first.
0: It's going to prime, sorry, just to interrupt you. Like, it's going to prime a system. Right. It's going to go, exactly. we're going to use this or that. Yeah, that's a great it. Like, way to what are you going yeah, to go totally. for?
1: The system's prime. to right. do that. You see this in the 500 of the mile. Kid goes like 10 and a half seconds for the first 25. You're like, and so right away, the body's oh, no. like, you know, consciously, he's like, I'm doing the mile. The body's like, oh we're going to 50 all out. Great. Anaerobic. Yeah. And then it always hits them later (laughs) on. So this is, this guy's already hit the water. And again, he's calm. He's underneath the water, three seconds into the turn out. So his body has already kind of had enough time to go, okay, this is, this is the, 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 the way we're going. And so again, not that those three seconds are easy or three strokes are easy. Those are three, obviously amazing strokes. But it's not like you've done right. five, six. He's not like high tempo stuff. He's gone and this is this is the cool part and this is what makes him elite is that that wave that he's doing, he's not like trying to go 10 seconds for a 25. He's, probably, he's trying to actually slow down. He's going so fast off the wall, adding that dolphin kick. He's working with the energy of the water. He's working in time with the water rather than trying to overpower the water or force the water. So by working with the water, he's able to, again maintain that, that speed. So he's not accelerating. He's just maintaining what he's got off the, off the block. And so it'd be like you hop on a rolling skateboard. It's already rolling. You know, you don't have to, you know, generate any power. You just have to maintain the the speed and speed maintenance versus generating power are, are two different energy systems, two different waste platforms and things. So nonetheless, at this point, he's starting to build up, you know, we always think lactic acid. Well, before that, he's starting to build up hydrogen which makes the blood more acidic. Right. And then, then lactic acid is formed as a buffering mechanism. So it's really not a bad thing yet. But he's building up carbon as it's breaking down. And so the big thing is that you're exhaling the carbon. So the breathing mechanism isn't triggered by, I need air. In a race like this, it's triggered by, I need to start to blow off CO2. And so when his tempo is stroke, stroke, so basically one cycle, about a second and a half, it's like he gets an inhale. And that's the cool thing I think about breaststroke is, it's at the top of the stroke cycle. It's in rhythm of the stroke. And that breath and the head movement forward actually adds like a summation of those two forces into that line to create more distance. So getting that breath of air, as long as it's in time and in rhythm like his is, and he dives into the line, he gets all this distance per stroke for breathing. It's the, it's the only stroke like that. I mean, your, your freestyle, you know, you're trying to time in that breath within your arm cycle and then as you start getting fatigued, you need to breathe in more and exhale more within that same cycle. And meanwhile, again, you're...
0: Okay, I, I want to jump in there for a second because I think you're making another really oh, great you're, point you're that I, well, like, so I've got to get here uh, and that say, say something about. Because um, I'm even seeing this, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, something that we all learn about like in elementary school. But then, you know, it, we don't... I, I for sure did not it's been a long time not knowing how this applied to the thing that i was spending a lot of my time doing and that is right we breathe in our our body's trying to get oxygen and we breathe out and your body's trying to clear co2 right, right? like that's you know like i don't know what grade I my mean, my daughter's in third grade i think she knows that right on some level that that's that's what you do um but you know i think so many of us in athletic context when we see somebody Sort of struggling with with doing something really rigorous, we think of it as oxygen debt. But what you're talking about is not so much oxygen debt; it's, I, for lack of a better term, lack of CO2 clearance right. that can really cause some problems down the line. And like I'm seeing this, um, in my own life. My wife is a, I would say, like a master's competitive runner. And she changed something in her training schedule. She got back into yoga and anybody who's done yoga knows that, you know, like a, a giant part of most yoga practices is you focus on your breathing. And she said that within a month of starting yoga and just bringing that attention to the way, especially she was exhaling and actually clearing CO2 from her body, like four or 5k she found without without any serious change in training volume or training intensity she found about 30 seconds a mile on that so it was like just a whole giant leap in aerobic ability mm-hmm. just by clearing CO2 right, right. that right
1: right yeah makes sense yeah the oxygen debt won't come in until after afterwards cuz this is all right all of this race again it's it's a it's an anaerobic race all all the energy is is contained like in, inside the muscles inside the cytoplasm inside the mitochondria everything like that it's just right it's right there ready to go and so now the buildup of the waste is all you have to do and you have to manage that and so um, as he's starting to clear this out the, the cool thing again is, is that oxygen intake in a sense is is and this is the part that I want to think about more and so we can talk about more but every breath he's taking adds to that center of buoyancy and he's able to ride that a little bit farther firmer and I think that intake of air also trying to help to solidify his core. It kind of like is able to be not only a tool for, you know, obviously for breathing in, but also for balancing on, riding forward on the stroke. Right. And also for maintaining integrity from lungs all the way through to the hips uh, of ma- maintaining that kind of like um, that core structure, that integrity. And so you're hitting three strokes. You get it, you do another pullout. Now you're, he's already thinking he went to like five. And that was the really cool thing I thought about this race was every count after that was five, 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 five. And what I saw was he was really hitting his walls cleanly. So each stroke was long, hitting in, in, in rhythm and then out rather than having to do like he did in the dual meet where on the fourth, I think about fourth, third, third or fourth wall, doesn't really matter. He, you can see he chops the strokes. Where all of a sudden he'll take a half stroke yeah. early. To make sure that it hits the line going into that. And, and that's an important fact because it comes into the last 25 of this race. So in this race, he's now hitting his hitting the walls pretty cleanly, get the air, come out going. And so half this race, again, you're going six, six, each of these wall, each of these walls, each of these underwaters, he's going six is underneath the water, 18, 24, 30. He's going. What does it, it end up being like? 52 seconds of it is underwater. Again, and for for you and I, the, the mere mortals, we're thinking, well, oh, that's a lot of time holding your breath. And, and that's why people were uh, hesitant to go underwaters. But if you look back even further in history, people were hesitant to do it flip turns because they're afraid of the oxygen, you know, that you're going. But again, th- this race, isn't so much about oxygen. I don't think as much as about waste um, management, getting rid of his carbon, getting rid of uh, managing the hydrogen buffering. Um, and so when you break the race down, but I think he's already going again, he's already already down to like having to swim like a minute 15, you know, the rest of it's underwater. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I'm sorry. If I'm doing my math, if it's 52 seconds and he went 147, that means just 55 seconds left of swimming. I mean, that's almost half of the race.
1: And that's kind of where we start to get to the hack of this, this race is this, this is short course yards. And that's the thing. As long as you hit balanced, as long as you're hitting the water, going forward on that stroke like he does where he's able to maintain that balance into the breath inhale exhale getting rid of the carbon inhale exhale getting rid of the carbon so it's managed like that and he's not over swimming it again putting himself into a different kind of energy system it's it's again it's it's a completely different race than we used to think about because it is it's half of it's underneath the water uh, and the other half is just like three five 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 and again not that that's easy but kind of going back to what he had said in his own 400 IM race, where obviously lactate is building up pretty hard on the back end of your 400 IM, it was still easy for him. So he's figured out a way to kind of manage that. I'm, I don't know anything about his training. I'm guessing it's, it's through the CO2 dumping it, as as he like has that long stroke as he's gliding and exhaling through it. And um, then if you look at the last 25, I, you know if you look at those two strokes, all of a sudden he's starting to go up-tempo. And so people are thinking like, you know, maybe fatigued on last three. I think that after two, because he is such an elite level swimmer, you're able to figure out that five is going to be what he needs to hit the wall with a, with a good finish. You know, a good finish being, again, where you're full extension, you know, where, where you're right at the end of it. And so after two, he's like, I just need to settle back into this. And so my thought is there might be even more in the tank. If, again, he, as long as he <laughs> keeps on, he can probably even clean up the breakouts even more um, and then be able to kind of go, by actually going up a stroke, you know, again, it, it depends on where the breakout hits because that's where he's judging where he needs to be on that finish to the wall. And, again, with short course yards, he can do that pretty quick because he can see the other end pretty quick. You know, it's like one stroke, rebalance, right. and then figure out from there how many strokes he's going to need to get to the wall. And and so that's the thing that was amazing with his race is, again, you look at the splits, 24-3, three, twenty-seven seven, 7 and so that, that's again, where maybe that 28 seven, where if you up-tempo it a little bit more, maybe that can come down a little bit. Obviously we're not looking for huge drops at this point, but again, you know, anything's possible. And that's why, again, I, I like the idea of breaking a race down like this and saying that things might be wrong uh, or might be improved upon. So I guess not wrong, wrong's pretty harsh because uh, it's it's an amazing swim, but might be improved upon meaning like, Hey, there might be more. And I think that's the optimistic side rather than everyone always like, you know, how can you be negative on a swim like this? It's like. A, no one's saying he's like, well, that guy's terrible. Luckily, to won the Constellation. It's like, this guy's amazing. And there's more. And I think it's really interesting when, when people start to pave the way for that. So this the, finally kind of getting to the point where we're maximizing that first dolphin kick. Um, and, and again, staying underneath the water and starting to think about more, again, the, the wayside versus the, I'm going to be power. I'm going to just power tower the hell out of this, this season. Or I'm going to, you know, rip up this or that. It's like, this is all about managing Uh, is balanced, managing the CO2 offloading. Um, But then obviously the training that went into it for the buffering capacity for um, picking up the hydrogen that's produced in this too.
0: Well, so I I think you made a point in there that I want to go back to before we move on to anything else, because I, I've been thinking about it the whole time since you said it the first time, because I had never looked at it this way. But one of the things, you know, and, and I guess to lead into it a little bit, I think breaststroke, uh, this is implicit in some of the stuff you've said, that breaststroke as a stroke has been kind of going through a phase, especially in yards, where it seemed to degenerate into, like, who could create the highest tempo, you know, just, like, get up, you know, do your pull out and get up and crank, you know, for a whole 25. Like, how much strength can you get and just how much tempo can you create? Crank, 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 crank all the way. I, I have not been a big fan of it. Um, it's not aesthetically pleasing to watch, but there were certain people that definitely made a lot of progress with that as a stroke. What I hear, and you can, you can follow this up to see if I'm on the right track with this, is I've never looked at underwater, uh, swimming in the way that you described, right? Where you say that, Even though underwater swimming traditionally, we look at it as you can't breathe. You're underwater, you know, like you're, you're, you're not able to take in oxygen at that point. So it can be, we look at it as very demanding. You're actually looking at it from like uh, almost like a fuel efficiency perspective that, that, that being able to execute some of this stuff underwater actually saves you energy on every 25. So even on a stroke like breaststroke, being underwater for fifty percent of the race actually can can save you from using you know more energy up before the race is over. Is that is that what I'm? Yeah, th-
1: that's that's just that's just my hypothesis here. In that it's like um you know that basically what he what he's doing is. is imagine like whatever exercise, full body exercise you're doing, you're doing three of them, blast three medicine ball throws, whatever it is. And then you get a big breath and you hold your breath for a little bit and then you start to exhale. And then in that exhale, I believe the heart rate starts to go down as, as you exhale. And then you get back up and you go again and you go five and exhale. And so again, that, that's exactly it. Is I think that basically you're looking for the most bang for your buck as far as like how much distance traveled versus how many heartbeats which incorporates how much, again, waste product is, is being produced. So like, this isn't like the mile where we're going to hold our breath every six seconds, you know, and then hold your breath six seconds, then do six seconds of swimming then, or five seconds in this case, then six seconds of holding your breath again. This is a 200. And so, like I said, I, I think right. it kind of starts to make it a, a different an- energy category in a sense, where it's that two minutes of activity. It's, you know, bouts of five seconds of activity with six seconds of, of pause. And so if you become okay with that aspect of it, you know, and and that you can keep the breathing as tidal as possible, you know, like you're normally walking. Like if you're walking, inhalation is like, what, a second, second, maybe let's just call it a step, a step and a half. Your exhale is going to be two, three, four steps. Exhale through, inhale, exhale through like that. So the more rhythmic and tidal you can make that breaststroke, and I think that stroke allows that to happen where you're able to be a little more tidal with your breath versus freestyle where it's gotta be inhale on this, on that, whatever that window is you have, and then starting to exhale immediately. And every time I've seen, like if if you look at people's flaws in their strokes, it's, it's one of the first things to look at is the breathing. Cause obviously sort of most training's obviously gonna be aerobic. And so the flaws develop around that breathing mechanism. And then the more they train, the more these kind of flaws will start to manifest themselves like into their races too. And so something like breaststroke, again, he's able to inhale, get a, get a full breath, exhale through. And then, um, what we talked about earlier is with distance per stroke changing, you start to cycle up to go faster and freestyle. You start to cycle up, but your breathing also needs to exhale even more. And so now you're going a faster tempo and trying to fit in that, that change in breathing rhythm into a faster stroke cycle. And so that's what makes that hard with, with breaststroke, the, the tempo goes up. But your breathing's also going up. So you might be able to time, and that's what I'm wondering if this guy's able to do. I'd love to be able to talk to him about this. Is like the idea like, so as he's as he's getting you know more and more aggressive with the swim, it's starting to like again build up. He's got to dump that CO2. The inhalation is going to start to change. If you're able to time in your, the, the tempo of your stroke cycle with the tempo of the rhythm of your breathing, if you can match those two, I think that's when you get a really amazing swim like that.
0: So I'm going to add to the list of controversial statements we've made on the swim brief here that, you know, get us or specifically you get people walking up to you in public and going, did you really say don't streamline? I'm going to add um, that you said I can take a break on my pullouts, that we should rest on our pullouts. Yeah, that's like, again, again, when you you say
1: anything is simple and they think it's easy. It's like um, (laughs) what you can do now, it'd be like, that'd be a lot like, let's say, I'll drop a workout plan because you're doing breaststroke and master swimmers. Let's just say you do like um, five explosive push presses, and then go into a plank as your rest. You know, and so you're resting, but that plank, you know, if you're doing it right, is is pretty hard core work. You know, not hard core work, but right. hard as in your core being working extremely Comma, hard. Core work. Comma core work. The thing is <laughs> that he's done five really amazing strokes, and now his recovery is him planking. Underneath the water, you know, for six seconds. So, is that a recovery? Like, I guess in one sense it is, you know, because his arms aren't doing right. that, the the work that he did on the five. But, however, uh, it, it's not, again, easy. It's, it's kind of simple, I guess, would be the way to go about it. And so, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do like when people send me the hate mail, I'm always like taking it back and like, A, like I forget half the stuff I say. My head just moves a little too fast for the rest <laughs> of me, I think. And then B, I'm like, how did that come out of context like that? I'm like, oh yeah, it's the internet. I forgot about that. It's like sending a sarcastic text. You're like, oh, that didn't come off like I thought it was going to be a little funnier. I guess now I have another enemy.
0: (laughs) So I guess the last place I want to go with this and we we discussed this a little bit over text is, you know, obviously what we're talking about here is the fastest short course yards, 200 breaststroke of all time. And we've talked a lot about pullouts and underwater piece of it. And you have a swimmer here who, you know, probably on his list of goals, I would guess, is winning the 400 IM at the Olympics. So how this translates over to long course meters does matter. Um, how much of what he's doing do you think takes over um, all the way to long course meter swimming?
1: Yeah, you froze again there for a second. So I think I'm, where you're going with the question is like um, on this two breaststroke again. Uh, I, I, again, I don't know how much of this you know can be half of the race underneath the water um, sure. like that and, and still be effective. You know, again, it, I would think you know obviously when, when you're when you're winning like he is right now, he, he's going to do all right. I, I think the kid's going to be okay. You know, it's like having a doctorate from Stanford. You're know, like, I don't think I can find a job. I think it'll be all right. I think, I think everything will be okay for anybody. Yeah. Uh, so the same thing here where, you know, he's, he's going to do fine. You know, the, the you know, the clear breakdown, I'm, I'm not sure of, you know, cause again, like a four IM, it's just such a different race. Any short axis stroke is just such a different race going into, to, to long course meters and NCAA, like you said before, like that high tempo breaststroke, it works great for the 50, you know, the Europeans also like you have, you have a 50 meter breaststroke. That's just, dash and go, just, just get up and just, just spin it. Um, And so now the same thing, you know, short course yards is is similar to like European worlds or something like that, where it's like a lot of fifties, like, oh, great. But as long as you manage your breakouts, you let manage your turns, manage your starts, you know, you can win NCAAs with that. You know, who cares how many really great milers you have? It's like relays are where you get the points, you know, 50, hundred, 200, that's where you're going to get all the points at. And so you really have to be on top of that stuff you know, being able to manage that line, being able to like, again, control that, that waist buildup, uh, is a lot different when you're going from five strokes to all of a sudden, you know, eight, 10, whatever you're going to take for that 50 meters, you know, it's, it's much different. Again, like I'm saying three, three first 25 strokes is a lot different than seven. You know, it's like, well, it's four more. It's like, it's, it's, it's a lot more. It's a lot different. You know, it's like, um, they have this one race where you like, race across the desert where it's like basically like, I figure it was like six marathons back to back to back to back to back. And you're like, how do people do that? It's like, well, six hour marathon runners don't do that. They can't. They're in a different energy system. They deplete their glycogen. They break down. It's just hard. They're, they're just destroyed. Some that can run like two and a half hour marathon. They can do it. It's a different demand on the body, different energy systems. Well, not different, similar energy system. But again, the amount of depletion is different. And so the same thing here is right. the waste product buildup for three strokes on your first 25 is a lot different than the waste products built up on a 50 meter first, you know? Uh, so, so that's what I'm thinking is it's not going to translate perfectly, but again, when you're that fast, he'll, he'll do fine. Yeah, it'll go really well. And <laughs> it's it, not going to hurt. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be all right. Yeah. And um, so th- again, with his stroke count, again, he's not a, a high spin guy. Like, you know, usually like, Again, at the lower levels, a, a, a tempo person usually doesn't translate really well to uh, to a lot of um, a lot of long course meter kind of swims. Not all the time you can get some, uh, but in this case, again, I, I think it'll translate pretty well. Uh, when we talked earlier about the four IM, again, where he said it was easier, I think that's part of the thing with with breaststroke. It's such, such a high demand, high drag kind of a, a stroke, and it's so much about balance and about staying high on the water. Right. That's typically why they make better IMers because, you know, we always encounter like the, the person that's going to hit the wall, usually the third 100 of 500 in, in yards, Um, the 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 third 100 of 400 IM, that's breaststroke. So now like basically where you're starting to get it hit the most, if you're not really good at that stroke and you lose your hips, the, the, the stroke's over. You know, basically, again, by losing the hips, I mean like, again, if you imagine like that foosball player where there's a lot, you know, you're, you're off balance, you're automatically tipping where you're center of buoyancy is coming up, your center of mass is dropping down, it creates a lot more drag than where you keep your center of mass driving the center of buoyancy, like Marshawn's able to do. That center of mass as soon as he hits the well, so, stroke and drives the center of buoyancy forward, that's again distance per stroke right there.
0: But see that's where I want to that's where I want to intercede because the where I get back to the question I had from the very beginning, you talk about some of the best 400 IMers that I can remember in history, there there's like a certain level where breaststroke seems to be correspond with IM, but then it doesn't seem like up at the elite level that it's you know, people with breaststroke as a best stroke yeah. that are winning in the four hundred IM. So like this this is a little bit unusual to me.
1: And and this is again where I'm gonna get like the hate mail coming in uh for like the, the typical kind of stance. I'm just trying to think a little bit outside. Of the usual spectrum of, of why that might be, I, I remember like if you look at all the breaststrokers that have made the Olympics from the U.S., it's it's generally kind of like smaller places. You know, it's never like again nothing against the the the, the you know the higher volume programs they usually don't produce the breaststrokers.
0: You know, the breaststrokers usually... When you say higher volume in terms of even, like, club size.
1: I, I mean, like, training size. Usually the bigger the clubs, hmm. they, they, you know, they've got a certain method. That they've got, this is what we're going to do. They can ramp up the yards pretty high. They've got, you know, you know, the, the pool time, everything's squared away. A lot of these breaststrokers, again, like, coming from Alaska, coming from Pacific Northwest, a lot of these Olympic breaststrokers have come from those areas. I, I think, again, and this is just me thinking along from us just talking today, so I could be way off base on this. But when, when you're doing a lot of training, uh, again, the, the, the timing of the air, inhale, exhale, is so critical on the breaststroke, and on butterfly, again, because that you're really using that center of buoyancy as, as an engine for your stroke. You know, by, by creating that wave, and then having the center mass following along within the same, uh, the same line of that wave, is what really gets you going forward. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're doing a high volume training, and you know, again, you're having to breathe differently because you have to breathe in earlier. And that's why I've seen a lot of times when, like, I would take swimmers that you know, when, when I was at coaching college, we go mainly yards, we go, we train a little bit of long course. So we get kids that just weren't experienced in long course, for instance. First thing that changed on their breaststroke was they're breathing way early on their stroke. And so, once you're starting to breathe early in the stroke, now all of a sudden you're you're lifting up. So the center of buoyancy is riding up, the center mass is dropping down, and it's not in sync with that wave that, that usually makes their, their breaststroke run really well. And so when you do that, I, I think you start to kind of learn this breathing kind of early, rather than being patient. And that's like with Marshawn, he's really patient, waiting for that breath, the inhale at the, at the critical moment, and then surging into the next stroke. When they're training a lot, you know, I think sometimes they will start to create, I think survival stroke's a little bit harsh of a term, but they're going to do something to get their air a little bit earlier. And so that throws their stroke off. Um, and I think with butterfly and breaststroke, just my opinion is is that, um, not just my opinion, I mean a lot of people share this opinion, but I, it's not like I have a lot of anything to base it on, other than I, I think that the more explosive training you do with short axis, I think it, the, the sharper the stroke is in practice, the more it translates into race. You know, when you're doing – 18 fly or 18-200s breaststroke. I think that you're gonna, you know, if someone is able to get through that is gonna learn how to how to get through that. And that stroke that they learn how to get through it with isn't a stroke they want to do 100 or 200 with. And so my thought is, if they have a stroke that's kind of like, again, you get in that fight or flight mechanism where you want them kind of like in a fight where they're going out hard. You know, again, it's it's not that rational. Hey, I've got to wait for the breath. I've got to wait for this in sweep. I've got to wait for this moment to drive my hips forward. It's like Air is my number one priority. Swimming fast is yeah. in my top five right now. <laughs> but air air is number one. You know, and, and that's why I yeah. think maybe breaststrokers, jokers, um, unless you're really on top of it, you, you're not going to uh, see the best breaststrokers jokers in the ion because the best breaststrokers, jokers I've seen, usually um, you, you can overtrain them pretty easily. And so with, with a bigger club, um, I, I think it's it's hard to really watch that one kid. You know, when you got 50 kids in a lane in a pool, and, and I get it. I mean, it's 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 hard. It's hard to figure that out. You know, you can you manage them with your strokes, counts. You can manage them with a lot of things. But to be able to really watch when that's breaking down and pull them out of that uh, is a hard thing to do. So that that's my long summary of I think I think the really best breaststrokers get trained out of it if they go too hard into the four im am and the four I am. Uh, it it takes a a good deal of training to be, be solid at that.
0: Yeah. So maybe, maybe, I guess there's a lot of applications to what you said, but, but, but maybe what's been successful for um, Marchand is that almost he's backdoored his way into breaststroke that he was sort of like, he was an all round, just pretty good swimmer, you know, like he was very good in a lot of things. And then as he's progressing, even here through his college career, he's finding ways to sort of hack into breaststroke a little bit. And it's, it just so happens they've been so successful that, oh, oops, I went the fastest 200 short course yeah, of all that, time.
1: Then you've got a pretty good coach. You know, again, that's, that's the thing that's nice yeah. it, again is, is, is when Bowman's able to go, you know, he can, he can take a group and really watch that group and make sure that they're, they're and he knows obviously what, what 4 am training is about, he's able to watch where this athlete is at within each one. So he doesn't have to you know, spin so many plates. He's not over there with the sprint group. He's not over there with this group. He might be, you know, but he's able to focus in on the group that he needs to focus in on and make sure they're swimming like they need to, to be able to do something like this, which is just incredible, obviously. And so the, the hack, I think, again, we're kind of using that phrase, is, is that he's basically turned an anaerobic event into more of a sprint event because he shortened it, with with his underwater, his, his, you know, extreme talent underwater, his ability to hit so few strokes, so few working strokes, that by the time all that waste product catches up to him, he's a lot further down in that race than a lot of other people. So again, what I saw was all of a sudden that last 25 was the one where all of a sudden it looked a little, a little bit weird. You know, but again, a little weird versus like, you know, perfection. You know, where all of a sudden those first two strokes are higher tempo, and then the last three He's trying to manage the line. You can see that he was not managing it as well as he did, obviously, in the first half. But he wasn't managing it as well even on lengths five or six. And I think, again, that's where I started to think that maybe he pushed pushed this back. It's it's, it's an anaerobic event, of course. However, the waste products aren't hitting him until much later in the race than other people.
0: Yeah. And I, I want to echo some of the Bowman stuff that you just brought up. My observation is I think Bowman 1.0 with the one we all got to know via being Michael Phelps's coach. I think by far, you know, the, the thing that he became known for was just the, the quality of training that he could get swimmers to do very specifically. Of course, Michael, like, you know, the training stuff is just absolutely legendary. But I think if you look for a weakness in somebody who coached the greatest swimmer of all time, then I would say, you know, like Michael Phelps was never the most skilled person in any race that uh, he did at the international level. And I didn't see, if I look at the other most successful swimmers in sort of that first generation with Bowman, they weren't necessarily getting up to that Olympic medalist level through skill development. They just really like, the, the when, when and you referenced this earlier, like when Bowman says we're really dialing it up in training, that sort of means more than pretty much anybody else in the world saying that. But I think he has, Bowman 2.0 has really upped his own game in, in terms of teaching skills in the pool. He surrounded himself with people who are upping his game in terms of teaching skills, and that's why he could win an NCA championship yeah. with this ASU team in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, um, I, I guess I'm not a student of the game enough to know the difference between Bowman then or now. I, in fact, I was already cringing at just the thought where I was, I was obviously joking about Bowman being a pretty good coach. It was like, oh my! How can you say he's a pretty good coach? He's an amazing, yes, he's an amazing coach. I was just kidding. So, four people send me those emails too, um, I I, th- I thought what what Phelps was doing with, with with his obviously you know we always look at time first as being like you know the end justifies the mean. And like, well, of course he did perfection because he swam so well. I thought the perfection of the training was how he was swimming butterfly or the way he was using his um uh, his chest he you know, was using like his limb length versus his torso length, things like that I, I thought that was that was the genius part so I don't I do not really know the difference between Bowman now or then You don't agree with um, me is what you're not saying really, I guess. You're being I, nice
0: and Midwestern and you go I don't think that was true what you just said Chris well, again, it's,
1: it's Like that's like, the, that's, the thing is, like, that's BS I know him, so I I can't really say either way what's going on <laughs> other than just why I, I really liked watching <laughs> with that fly um and so obviously with this it's it's a different athlete as far as the different proportions and and that's another part I've always liked yeah. about short axis strokes was you you can tailor it more for what you have with the athlete. Like a Phelps' butterfly, you know, he could do the I think what what sets swimming back is when all like, well, we gotta do what Phelps is doing. And you get some guy like, you know, six, five, mainly legs, trying to do that butterfly, but that's not working. Um, but with breaststroke the yeah. same thing too, where he's able to say balancer, like again, Kitajima or uh, you know, looking back at like Moses or uh, Adam Petey or all those strokes are, are so much different because it's based on you know, their limb length, their, their, the integrity of the, the line that they're able to hold. But I also started to think, and this is the part I want to just kind of start to think a lot more about, is that inhalation, exhalation, and how much the, the lungs are used as that engine, you know, filling the lungs and actually having that as, as, as part of your stroke. And I think that's a part I never really started thinking about until just watching this swim a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think going into NCAAs, I, you know, obviously, is it going to win? Yeah, sure. Is he going to go faster? Yeah, probably. But the thing is that could also happen is I think sometimes when, when you, and we talked about this earlier with with other athletes, is when they kind of forget what's really working well or they didn't realize what was working so well. And then they train themselves out of it. Like either, you know, like like at the start of a season, a butterflyer thinks I need to be stronger. So then they lift so much that they throw their center of mass and center of buoyancy ratio off. Um, in this case, again, you got they could win the NCAAs. You know, they're, they're going to be in the hunt, you know, easily. Uh, you know, top two, top three, no problem. But they, they could win. And all of a sudden you get maybe too aggressive on this first strokes. And as we mentioned earlier, those first couple strokes dictate the path your body's going to go down internally as far as like energy systems, waste production, everything like that. Maybe, you know, again, we always think the adrenaline at the back end of the race. Yeah, it'll be there. But again, maybe it's just a little too worked up on something like this. I think breaststroke's... Kind of a finesse stroke like that. And if you're out of out of sync a little bit, it takes a lot to get uh to get going again. And, and looking back at the um the Cal Duel, um, you know, again, he was he was a little out of sync. I think mainly is just because the nervous system was catching up, you know, t- to the speed he was going. You know, he had a little bit of rest, all of a sudden things change, you're moving through the water differently, you got a fast suit on, so he's just catching up. You know, the other th- you know, the the other side of that coin could be like, you know, maybe it's a Cal Duel and he got a little too amped up and those breakouts were a little bit more like, I'm going to get up and race and and show, you know, this guy, I'm going to do this and whatever it is. And he breaks out just a a little bit too soon. And so that's things. everything, you know, to go like he's going, you have to hit as many as you can. And, you know, you can make two, three mistakes in a race like that and still get an NCAA record. Um, But again, if you make four, now he's not. Not that it's going to be a bad swim. Yeah. It's still going to be pretty
0: darn cool. Okay, so you 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 uh, you said that Bob Bowman's only a pretty good coach, and you are picking on Leon Marchand that his swim wasn't that good. That's that's yeah, that's yeah. the that's takeaways exactly. that people should have from from this podcast. So just kidding, people. Everybody knows the only person who uh, talks shit on this podcast is right. me. And I'm just giving Joel a hard time. I want to thank everybody for listening. You guys are amazing. Um, thank you to everybody who uh, has supported the podcast. Uh, thank you to people who are following me on other social medias. Chris D underscore coach on Instagram. CD swim coach on, on Facebook. Um, thank you for all the people that have signed up for my course. We've actually just got a few spots left. For the course, it's, uh, starting in less than two weeks. So time is running out. Uh, really excited to launch that course about positive psychology in coaching and, and show you guys some of that stuff. You can listen to a couple of these past podcasts where we demo some of what, uh, what's going to be in there. And thank you to Joel, who was so fired up today. Fun. I learned a ton from listening to you, Joel. Um, and, and bared through some freezing, technical man. difficulties here in our stream. And I appreciate it. Um, thank you. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week.
1: All right. Thank you.